section 10 of astounding stories 06 june 1930 this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org astounding stories 06 june 1930 the cavern world part 2 most right honorable asher li wang bowed mockingly he and krenski were garbed in loose-fitting garments of much the same style as asher in their hands they carried static guns not the small gun such as asher had concealed in his pocket more like heavy air drills they were asher frowned at the lamps they carried he knew by the dazzling action of the rays that they were pressure lamps but they gave off much better light than those of his own invention they had gone him one better there did did you see them asher gulped and how how did you get down here tell me he took a step toward li wang intending to lay his hand on the chinaman to make sure he was live flesh and blood and not a figment of his disordered brain stand where you are li wang snapped he held the heavy static gun up and asher felt a light charge tingle his body those things of which you speak I assume you mean the petrolia ah yes we see them every day we see them for us they work they work my dear blaine asher tapping upward into the oil sands sands that are burial places of countless millions of generations of petrolia of lost races that once ruled supreme over these underground worlds how simple to take oil from below the oil you want so much above someone must do the work I and Krensky found the petrolia ready and willing being creatures of feeling with little sense We were able to bend their dying wills to do our work You see we make them feel we would save them a dying race from extinction They do our bidding Asher was bewildered by the enormity of the thing you mean these things you called petrolia Actually work for you and that you save them from becoming extinct exactly Li Wang nodded, seeming to be enjoying himself. Like humans of the surface, Petrolia live on the dead. I mean, wherever we get our living food from the earth, we plant our dead back in that earth. Petrolia are spawned in beds of petroleum. Just as eels seek deep water to lay their eggs, so do Petrolia go to the oil strata to spawn future tribes. When we pump out the oil, they have no, shall we say, hatching beds. But now, by tapping and bringing down the oil, we have assured them more spawning pits. They will increase, and we have made them sense it. For that matter, the very oil they breed in gives them sustenance. That is why they are black-fleshed and blooded, and have suckers instead of mouths, as a black man is black through the ages, beneath hot suns. It is easy for us who are wiser than other men to figure what oil field might contain such people We have a rapid elevator connecting us to the surface and Then Asher almost shouted. I'm not trapped. No Li Wang wrinkled his forehead quizzically you should realize that we cannot allow you to go back to the surface alive or any other way we intend to increase the petrolia spreading them to other underground yet uninhabited worlds you would spoil that no you will never return to the surface they cannot haul your tube to the top so they will think you perished in it and 
Li Wang shrugged. It might have been better if you had, Mr. I wouldn't. The yellow man snarled. He rolled the ratchet of his static gun, and Asher was hurled to the floor by the heavy shock. Wisely, he stood up, keeping his hands well away from the pocket in which his own gun rested. He doubted whether his little static gun could compete with the guns of the others, but it was something. They had not thought to search him. Perhaps they might not. It was his only hope. Li Wang bowed low again, motioning Asher to go ahead. Now you shall see what we have done. We are proud, and we know you can appreciate our workings. You'll be glad to learn why we do as we are doing. You'll be intrigued as a fellow scientist. Then, so sad to say, you must perish for having gained that very knowledge. Asher shrugged, and through half-closed eyelids, he eyed Li Wang and the rather small slender Krinsky of the high brow and large head. Then he walked ahead of them, head up, shoulders back. He walked carelessly down the wide hall, a hall that led into the main cavern of that underground empire. It was large, fully a hundred feet in a rough square. Not fifteen feet from floor to ceiling at any point, it followed the course of the two layers of granite between which it was sandwiched. Other long halls or crevices ran in every direction out of this main cavern. In the walls, in niches and cracks, the superior pressure lamps had been placed, throwing a bright, eerie light over it all. Asher recoiled suddenly at the sight of hundreds of petrolia that swarmed the hallways, and they seemed to sense another presence beside that of Li Wang or Krensky. A choked, gurgling sound came from the Chinaman, and they disappeared down the halls, squeaking angrily as they went. Our control room, he explained, Li Wang waving his hand about him. He pointed to a dozen twenty-four-inch pipelines that ran along the low ceiling, coming from as many different halls into the room, but all going out the same large hall, larger than the rest. There are the arteries of our system. There is the oil that is so, shall we say, strangely missing in your wells. He smiled a taunting, mocking light in his eyes. You well understand how we do it. Above us, just below the oil strata, is a steel, trough-shaped roof. The oil trapped from below drains into these, and then into these pipelines. If we were working from above now, we would run it to a central shaft and pump it out. We do not want it on the surface, however. Then why in the name of hell do you want it? Asher barked, a tense note of anger in his voice. And what do you do with it? These two were humans. At least they were in man form, if not in feeling. And the petrolia could be handled. Asher was getting mad, and his fear ebbed. Come! Li Wang led the way under the pipelines, down the large hall. Krensky, his heavy static gun ready, walked at Asher's back. They came out into another cavern that stretched beyond the powerful lights. The sound of their voices echoed like thunder of the drums of Thor, and Asher realized this cavern might stretch away in Stygian blackness for hundreds of miles. Asher marveled, for the floor of this cavern dropped at least five feet below the level of the control room or incoming hallways, forming a natural reservoir a reservoir for the big streams of oil that were pouring into it from the pipelines. The rumble of the oil, as it came in and splashed out in a never-ending stream, and the rumble of the oil streams above them as the precious fluid flowed down into the plated drain roof, 
sounded like the tramp of weary feet of the damned as it echoed back and forth across the mighty cavern our storage li wang stood at the edge and explained also as you may see a concentration incubator or spawning bed and food storage for our petrolia blaine asher looked again at the rippling oil at his feet he choked brokenly and stepped back a pace for the oil near the bank was alive it rippled and splashed teeming with life by the strange alchemy of breeding in oil and living on oil as man lives on bread that lake of oil was a mass of growing petrolia millions yes countless billions of them hideous foul things that would be turned loose with the rest in that nightmare world that would be taken to other buried worlds to start new races but why why asher almost screamed the words at li wang petrolia will be our armies protecting our underground wealth li wang answered him they will be our faithful workers under no command but mine for even krensky has not mastered the over control it takes to handle them gradually as happened to the field we are now under all oil fields will go dry we will be getting the oil from below and putting it in storage in mother earth think blaine asher what it will mean there was a fanatical light in li wang's beady eyes a world without petroleum is a world without power no oil for fuel no gasoline lubricants or by-products of any sort no airplanes could fly tanks tractors oil burning trains and ships mechanical appliances nothing could run we now take the oil from america later when our petrolia have increased and we have devised means of moving them we will go to all oil producing countries we will secrete the oil and paralyze the world now in russia and china and india our societies are organizing and growing they will handle the weakened powerless nations and i shall be ruler of the universe surface and beneath with krensky to aid me you see it is wonderful is it not and knowing what you do having seen what you have could you call it impossible blaine asher groaned it was not impossible he knew unreal monstrous but never impossible a region of hideous petrolia a world stripped of automotive and mechanical power its fuel held in the hands of a few far underground it was terrible to think of and asher the only one who knew the only one who could avert such a thing the fate of an entire world was in his hands and he would soon die die no blaine asher swore silently to himself that no power in existence should keep him from destroying these two fiends it had to be done he dared not fail wonderful stupendous thing he forced himself to smile i'd like to grasp the hand of the genius who devised and carried out such a wonderful thing he took a step toward Li Wong, right hand extended, his left slipping toward the pocket where his own static gun rested. Li Wong extended his own right hand. Something in the chill, flint look of Asher's eyes must have warned him. Even as Asher's fingers closed around his hand, he tried to jerk back. Destroy him! he cried out to Krensky. Asher dropped to one knee, letting his static gun remain in his pocket. His left hand closed around Li Wang's wrist as the Oriental tried to pull away. Krensky was bringing the heavy cylinder-like gun up and aiming it at Asher. 
Asher twisted on one knee, his teeth gritted, braced to receive the shock from the gun. He jerked Lee Wong's arm down, heaved and came to his feet. Crying out, arms and legs flailing, the Chinaman catapulted toward Krensky, and just at that instant Krensky fired. The sickening smell of cindered flesh was in Asher's nostrils as he turned and ran back up the main hallway. He glanced back over his shoulder as he ran, and shuddered at the black mass lying at Krensky's feet. Li Wang was no more. Wide-eyed, the Russian stared at the thing at his feet, then with a fiendish shriek, turned and brought the gun into line on the fleeing Asher. A crackling charge of electricity singed the back of Asher's head as he dove headfirst around the corner of the hall into the control cavern. He reasoned that Krensky had sent a full charge after him, and hope kindled higher in his breast, for Asher believed his smaller static weapon was as strong as that of the other. At that it would be a test, and Asher dared not take chances. He crouched in the door of another hallway waiting. Cursing, Krensky dashed into the control cavern. Asher brought his gun up and fired, but even as he pulled the trigger, a long tentacle reached from the dark crevice behind him and jerked his arm. His charge snapped by the Russian, warning the other that Asher, too, was dealing with powerful electric rays that meant death should they touch. Asher yielded to the tug of the slimy, sulfur-smelling tentacle, letting it pull him into the crevice. The charges of Krensky's weapon crackling by him, leaving his skin dry and a powdery sensation in his mouth. In the shelter of the crevice, Asher turned his gun upon the petrolia that gripped him. The tentacles fell away, fading to nothingness before the charges that showed quivery blue in the dark. Like catacombs, one crevice opened into another. Asher darted into the next crevice and edged cautiously toward the control cavern. The angry buzzing and snapping of Krensky's weapon caused him to duck instinctively, although no deadly charges came his way. Oh, God, he heard the Russian's high-pitched voice, agonized wailing. They're coming in! They're coming in! A squeaking and slithering now, greater than ever, rose above all other sounds, and Asher realized what Krensky meant. Li Wang had said that only he could control the Petrolia. They were swarming into the control room now. That was what Krensky was shooting at. The squeaking sounds came up the crevice in which Asher was, and a cold, clammy sweat broke out all over him. He could blast a thousand of them into nothing, but by sheer force, more body than his light static gun could down, they would overwhelm him. His mind raced swiftly. He remembered the location, out in the control room, of the cage elevator that ran to the surface. It had not been hurt by the glycerin blast that had trapped Asher. The elevator shaft from the control room was cased clear into the cavern floor, and the blast had not jarred that far. He wheeled and sent another charge of static electricity into the crevice back of him, then lunged out into the control room. It would be his own weapon against Krensky's, and a chance to gain the bottom of the shaft. Krensky piled charred heaps of petrolia around him, which had momentarily cleared the attack, was running across the control room, like a seething wave, the foul petrolia undulated from every crevice and hallway, coming into fresh attack. The Russian, terror lending him speed, raced for the cage at the foot of the shaft that led to the surface. At the same time, Asher ran out. Nearly a hundred feet apart, on opposite sides of the cavern, they stopped. Krensky turned his heavy weapon toward Asher, 
At the same time, Asher sent his own gun, crackling and snapping out blue fiery flame. Sidestepping, now crouching, now dodging to this side and that, they fought their strange duel. Asher's right arm was burned. His hair singed from his head, and his body jarred again and again as Krensky touched him. Krensky, groaning through gritted teeth, suffered burns all over his chest and left leg. As the Petrolia came on, and the lightning play of deadly electric charges continued, Asher made a discovery. He noticed that the rays or charges of the two guns, when they met in mid-air, caused blue flame, and that the charge went no farther. It did it again. The two charges met, crackled to explosion in the air. Krensky, too, noticed it, and he also noticed that the Petrolia were almost upon them again, coming in on a wave that could not be hurled back. He looked at Asher and met the dare in Asher's eyes. Straight at each other, neither moving, they shot their static charges. Neither would move. It was a challenge from Asher that Krensky had to meet. One of them would have to die before the other would be able to gain the cage in the shaft. There could be no compromise, and only one man at a time could go surface-ward. If they continued to dodge and fight, the Petrolia would overwhelm them. Power against power, they fought it out. Asher's finger tightened on his trigger release until it seemed the skin would split. Then he had caused his hand to tremble just enough to make his electric charges cover the space in which Krensky's charges traveled. Hissing, spitting, flashing explosions, giving off sounds and light like big explosions of flash powder, the charges met. Asher tingled from head to foot and thrilled to the very marvel of the thing, two deadly beams of electricity holding each other off. In one long, continuous flash, the contact point of the charges began to shift. Closer and closer, as the force of superior charges cleaved through the other, the contact points neared Krensky. He saw death upon him, for in another instant, Asher's charges would hurl his own bolts back upon him. The smaller weapon of Blaine Asher, attracting more static electric currents by reason of having a small attracting battery inside, where the larger gun of the other, depended upon magnets for attraction, was triumphing. Krensky's mustache and light beard singed and curled. He cried out, stepped back, throwing up his arms as death flashed through his body. His gun playing about him, Asher raced toward the big valves and gates that shut off the drain of the pipelines. Burning, reeking of sulfur and burned leather, the Petrolia vanished before him, but as he turned, the drainage system that was robbing the field shut off. They had blocked his way again. Too many to blast away altogether, they pressed in. Asher leaped forward, feet kicking, left fist smashing out, static gun crackling as if to tell him that nothing could stop them. Tentacles gripped at him. The foul, stinking smell gagged him, but the squeaks of the Petrolia maddened him. Squeak! Damn you! Asher shouted wildly, kicking, shooting, and hitting, gaining toward the shaft. Squeak for all the damned things that ever bred below the earth cannot stop one surface man. He burned and fought his way through and jumped into the cage as his gun electrocuted two of the Petrolia that tried to weave in after him. As he slammed the door, Asher was conscious that something was happening. He hesitated just long enough to see the cavern start buckling and caving. The pressure of the oil, now shut off, was filling back toward the surface, creating a mighty pressure downward. 
the surface wells would produce man's power fuel once more Asher slammed the door turned on the power and the cage shot upward a half hour later those waiting on the floor of the derrick above the hole in which Asher had gone down started Asher burned wounded blood streaming from his battered body staggered in and collapsed at their feet I can't believe it insane impossible yet every well in this field has started producing again and we went to that old abandoned wildcat well we found the shaft opening i had it covered up as you ordered our briggs johns paced up and down the laboratory floor talking to asher who had just arisen from his bed two weeks after he had collapsed at their feet in the derrick still bandaged he was a different plain asher his face was lined and the hair next to his scalp nearly snow white I'll be able to do some walking around outside in a few days Asher declared as he cleaned a test tube and placed it in a rack I can locate several wells over that underground storage cavern and you can recover that oil But you can't mine this field 20 years perhaps and you can but it will take that long for those petrolia to die out We've got to get the oil out from below to a point where they can no longer spawn We will apply mining in other fields, but not here not here Johns repeated shuddering it's up to you to see that no one else tries it Asher lit a cigarette and nodded at Johns get control of the field anything tell the oil men something but don't tell them the truth they wouldn't believe you they would call you raving mad the world does not know it would not believe can we do other than remain silent R. Briggs Johns, sick of thinking of the cavern world and horrible things below them, knew they could not. End of the Cavern World by James P. Olson.